That's no fair. Parker got to have all the fun. And now the folks that I really would enjoy speaking to, they just left. Uh, Yeah. Probably just got myself in trouble with y'all. I apologize. Um, It has been a a real treat to be with you this weekend. I thank you as a congregation for the way you have received me and received us. Uh, It has been really delightful. So we've had a lot of fun too, opening God's Word together. And uh, I'm guessing that uh, maybe Isaiah, you never imagined Isaiah 40 as being a real rich missions passage. But we've had a lot of fun, I think, looking at it together. Now, as we begin, I want to ask you to think about something. I want you to meditate on something for me. What would you say is the greatest burden that you bear right now that God has laid upon your heart? And it's really important that you include all those pieces. What is the greatest burden that you bear right now that God has laid upon your heart? And I want to ask you to pull out a piece of paper or a pen and jot that down because I don't want you to forget it. I don't want at the end of the service you think, oh, well, I was thinking about something else. What is the greatest burden that you bear right now that God has given you? And I think this passage that we're going to read today that we're going to consider today is going to speak to that and address that. So turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. You may think that my Bible only has one chapter since that's all we've talked about the whole weekend. Uh, But we're going to complete uh, study in this chapter with verses 28 through 31. uh, 31. Hear now God's word. To you, his people. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable, and his power to the faint. He, excuse me, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that again you would teach us from this passage. Um, It's probably true that none of us have ever considered this passage in relation to missions. And we pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, give us eyes to see and understand what this has to do with your kingdom work. And we ask it together in your name. Amen. I believe that this passage is going to offer hope to each one of us as you wrestle with what is the burden that God has given you. We've heard this uh, passage uh, quoted many times, probably you're very familiar with it and you think, okay, anytime someone is struggling, they're feeling weak and they're feeling burdened or they're feeling helpless, we'll often quote this verse to them. 
but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will be like, uh, they will take up, mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not weary, walk and not faint. You've all heard that verse before, right? In that context. Well, the interesting thing is that it has a very strong connection to missions. You see, the Lord gives strength to his people who are on mission as they look to him in dependence. That's how this passage is connected to missions. So we're going to look at this passage in three points. The Father gives strength to his people as they fix their eyes on him and his character, as they seek his resources, and as they run his race, the race that he has set before them. So the first point, as they seek, as they fix their eyes on him and his character. So in this passage, we begin in verse 28. Uh, The prophet Isaiah says to the people of God, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now he's speaking to the people of Israel who had known and had heard and had experienced God delivered them from Egypt out of bondage in Egypt. They saw him uh, with the... uh, Yeah, it's not working this morning. (laughs) They saw him use the ten plagues against the people of Egypt. They saw him break open the sea, and they were able to walk through on dry land. These are the people, and yet he's having to say to them, Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Actually, if you go back the previous 15 verses, you may have said, Well, Tom, you, you know, we talked about, verse 1 all the way through 11 and then you skip down to the end and the reason is because from verse 12 down through verse 27 all of it is a case being made for have you not seen and have you not heard this amazing God is the Lord God Almighty our God who works on our behalf so that's the reason um The prophet Isaiah begins this passage like that. So let me ask you, do you long for power when you feel faint or strength when you feel weak? And I think all of us would say, yes, of course. And we often feel that sense of weakness. Well, it will not be found in you. God has coached me on that, taught me that over the years. I keep having, I'm a slow learner. I keep having to come back around to that subject. Um, It also will not be found in medication. It will not be found in a bottle. It will not be found in shopping. It will not be found on the internet. And it will not be found in relationships. It will be found strength when you are feeling weak. Hope, when you are lacking it, will only be found in the triune God who has all power and authority and he loves to give it generously to his people. Look at verse 29. He gives power to the faint. So those who are weak, he's the one that gives them power. To him who has no might, he gives, he increases strength. And, he, and then in verse 30, he says he gives 
to those who are weary uh, or who are faint. He gives renewal. From God's vast resources, God's vast wealth of power and resources, he shares freely. Flip a Hello. Sorry about that. Flip over. Siri wanted to get in on the conversation. <laughs> Flip over to Matthew chapter 11 with me. The end of Matthew, um, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And again, I want you to, to have in the back of your mind, what is that burden that you bear that God has given you? Come to me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we find that we are weak and we are weary and we're heavy laden, where do we go? We often run to idols. We've, we go to things that we think will give us life. But we will only find life in Christ. He is the one who bears our burdens. He is the one who says, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls in Christ. And the primary way... Oftentimes the burdens that we, bear, uh, that we bear are related to our sin. And us trying to satisfy our deep thirst and our deep longings somewhere other than Christ. I think of it like this. So many times I am thirsty. And I go to a salt water well and I drink. I go to something that will not satisfy my soul. And I take this big gulp. What happens when I do that? I get thirstier. It actually will poison me. If I were to really take a glass of salt water and to drink it. Even though it's water and it feels like it will assuage my thirst. It will only make me thirstier. And it will poison me. People, when we turn to anything other than Christ to satisfy the deep longings of our souls, it will make us thirstier. The very thing that we're looking to satisfy our thirst, it will actually poison us and will can kill us. It's interesting, though, the shift. Think about... The disciples. Have you ever thought about the disciples? If you if kind of take a look at the, the disciples in the Gospels. How many, how many times do you see the disciples praying in the Gospels? Can somebody give me a passage? They ask about prayer. They fall asleep when they're supposed to be praying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Never in any of the Gospels is there ever ever an account of the disciples actually praying. Then you flip the page to the book of Acts. 
And the disciples are constantly in prayer. Think back to the Garden of Gethsemane. What was the attitude of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane? They were so filled with fear. They run when the soldiers appear. Look with me at Acts chapter 5. And see the difference in these men. Acts 5 verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they they left the presence of the council, excuse me, rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And daily in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. What was the difference? These men, a few weeks prior, had run in fear. Now, the Holy Spirit has fallen. That is true. But these are men who are walking by faith. They were relying upon God in a way that they had not done it before. They completely, they have completely cast themselves upon Christ. Think again about the thing that weighs heavily upon you. The burden that you feel like God has given you. And and there's an important distinction because you may be bearing burdens that are not burdens that God has given you. So what is the thing that burdens you this morning? First, is it something that God has given you? And second, if it is, Have you completely cast yourself upon him in reliance upon him to give you strength and grace to do what he's called you to do? If you will walk with him in faith in that way, you will experience him giving you power to do what he's called you to do, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. The second point is those who find Strength must seek his resources. There is a, there's one word in this passage that is pivotal. Can you tell me what it is? Are you, are you willing to venture out and guess? Wait. That is it. Okay. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It is those who wait upon the Lord, who will renew their strength. Actually, it is they who will be granted wisdom and power and strength and might. If we go back up to uh, verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting God in the end of verse 28. His understanding is unsearchable. It is God who has all these resources that gladly shares them. He gives of himself and his resources to his people. He who possesses unsearchable wisdom gives that to his people. So what does Isaiah mean when he says they must wait upon the Lord? It is actually a term of deep dependence. So it's not just sitting around hanging out waiting for God to show up. 
It is this dependence. It is this reliance. It could be described as one who waits expectantly in utter dependence upon his master to provide. Let me say that again. It describes one who waits expectantly in utter dependence upon his master to provide. I feel like over the last year, this is a theme that God has been teaching me. It's a theme that I've needed to learn. It's a theme I still have a great deal to learn about. The idea of waiting upon him. It is a gift to have been a missionary to leave uh, our country, to leave this culture, and then come back into it because it gives you a new vantage point, a new understanding. Um, You're able to step back and look at your culture in in a way that you've never done before. We are a people that is incredibly independent. We have an amazing strength. Have you ever heard this before? That a a strength pushed to an extreme becomes an extreme weakness? And that's what is the case. We're rugged individualists as Americans, right? It's a strength. But it is the opposite of what it means to depend upon the Lord. So often, we are, our tendency is to rely upon our own resources, our own wisdom, our bank accounts. We, are, we rely upon everything else before we rely upon the Lord. But stepping outside of our culture has given me bits of insight into that. In 1973, in the nation of Turkey, there were a dozen known believers in the entire nation of Turkey. Now, do you know what Turkey represents biblically? Almost everything that took place in the book of Acts took place in modern-day Turkey. And in 1973, there were only a dozen known believers in the country. That, that should boggle our minds. But today, there are about 3,000 believers in that country with 70 million people. There are actually over 70 million people. And I had the opportunity to visit one of those churches in Ankara, which is the capital city, between 5 and 6 million people. And there are five churches. There are five churches in the capital city of Ankara today. And this pastor, Pastor Yavuz, a delightful man, has this small congregation of about 50 people. He has, in, on multiple occasions, his life has been threatened. Um, where they were meeting previously, I actually visited that place there were big chunks of concrete that had been thrown through the windows to, uh, to threaten the people that worship there. So this small group of people, actually because of that, they had a large space like this. They couldn't meet upstairs in the large space because of all the windows, because of uh, safety concerns for the believers. So they had, to meet, they had to meet downstairs in a basement, a room about a third the size of the space upstairs. That is the situation in Ankara. But Pastor Yavuz, 
He sees things that nobody else can see. He believes that God has called him to plant 80 churches in the city of Ankara. <laughs> now, you have to either say, Pastor Yavuz, you are delusional. Or, or you believe that the God of the heavens and the earth, this God that we read about, this Lord who is from everlasting to everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not grow weary, who, whose uh, understanding is unsearchable, who has power and gives that power to his servants. You must believe in that guy. And you must believe that he's committed to building his kingdom. Because that is what he's doing. And God is. Now, I can't envision how 80 churches are going to be planted in Ankara today. But God is absolutely building his kingdom. And he's using Pastor Yavus to raise up and disciple folks. And they're coming to faith. And it is exciting. God is providing just as he said he would. The third point is that God gives strength to those who run his race. Those who trust in dependence upon him, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not weary and not grow weary. They will walk and faint. They will be like Pastor Yavus, who every morning gets up and he and his wife know that he may lose his life for Christ that day because he is threatened. People know that he's a believer, that he's a pastor. But he says, I will not live in fear. Because I serve the living God. So what is Isaiah describing? As I read this and I was thinking about it this morning, I thought, it sounds like unicorns and rainbows. You know, it just sounds ridiculous. But I want you to think about the broader passage. Think back to verse 1. The God of the heavens and the earth who has whispered into the ears of his people, comfort. Then this God who reminds his people, I have forgiven you all of your sin. You are free and you are forgiven. He then says, I commission you to go and be my messengers. They are the ones who will receive strength. They are the ones who will go forth and not grow weary. They are the ones who will mount up with wings like eagles. This really reminds me of multiplication. God multiplying the labors of his workers. Do you know what's happening in China today? You know, it wasn't that long ago that missionaries were kicked out of the country. With the rise of um, communist rule in Mao Zedong, his red army was so abusive and threatening to Christians. They were thrown in prison. Even today, Some 40, 50 years later, even today, it is illegal to promote the faith in in China. But Christians have remained faithful. They've remained faithful to do exactly what they were called to do, to get up on a high mountain and proclaim the word with strength, even though it's illegal. They, in utter dependence, have relied upon the Lord for the last 50 years. They have waited upon him and they have drawn believers in terrible situations, have drawn strength from him. 
And God has even been more faithful than his people. And today, there are over 100 million Christians in China. Do you realize it's it's probably closer to 120 million? That is the second largest church in the world? In China? In communist China? God has allowed his people to mount up with wings as eagles, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint because he has enabled them to carry his word forth. We witnessed something similar to that in Japan. Uh, Just over 20 years ago when we were in Japan, we invited a seminary professor to come and we asked him to do a church planning conference with a group of uh, what we call PCJ, Presbyterian Church of Japan, pastors. Well, there were 17 pastors that were coming to this conference. And our team leader said, now wait a minute. It will require no extra energy, no extra work for us to say, hey, why don't we include and invite other missionaries? Are you ready for this? Presbyterians invited a bunch of Baptists. And they actually came. And there were some Mennonite brethren that came as well. And you know what? We developed some great relationships with those guys. And so there was this multiplication of efforts that began to happen. Our team leader had a bigger kingdom view. He wasn't saying, what, what, let's go do something great. He was saying, this is what we're already doing. How can we include others? Now, I want you to hear that. Because it's important to the burden that God has given you. I don't want you to go out of here feeling like God's calling me to go do something different or do something else. What is it that God has called you to do? Are there ways that you can multiply the very same efforts and have greater kingdom impact? We started that conference 20 years ago. We started with 17 The next year it was 27, the largest church planning gathering that had ever been held in Japan before that was 40. In November, I went back to Japan. I led a team of 49 people to Japan to help put on this conference for 500 missionaries and church planters and pastors. The PCA, God has given the PCA the joy and privilege of being a part of that. It has radically impacted the way missions is being done in Japan. It's thrilling. It's about running and not growing weary. Because when you're doing what he's called you to do, it is exhilarating, not exhausting. If the ministry that you're involved in today is exhausting... You may need to stop and take a look at it and ask, are you doing the ministry God's calling you to do? Or maybe he wants to redeploy you in some other way. I've got a great example. And, and, um, Mike, I started to say Lon and I was like, that wasn't right. <laughs> I tell you, it, I'm, it's gone today. <laughs> um, Mike shared a great story the other night. A lot of times... Um, mission trips, you know, we take a team, we'll go to Mexico, and we'll invite a bunch of uh, businessmen, and we say, hey, why don't you dig that ditch right there? 
I think you're capable of doing that. Or, or we might say, there's a wall. Why don't you paint that wall? And so we got businessmen who are incredibly capable who are digging ditches and painting walls. Now, that's not wrong. It's not bad. But I had the opportunity to take a banker to India. And he was able to, he was a, we were a part of this business development center. And he sat down with non-Christian business entrepreneurs in Bangalore, India. And he looked at their business plans. And as a banker, he was doing what he does every day. And he was helping these young business entrepreneurs who were not Christians think through their business plans. But you know what? They were curious about why this banker would come to Bangalore, India and help them for free. And it gave all kinds of opportunities to share the gospel. Barry came back from India and he was, man, he was so invigorated. It was amazing. He said, I now get up and go to the bank every morning with a new energy, a new um, bounce in my step because I am excited about God's called me to be a banker. And now he's given me as a banker a kingdom vision how I can use this to see the kingdom come. A whole other story, Barry has now started a nonprofit. And he has gone over to India and he's found these uh, young entrepreneurs that are making all these goods and he's selling them in the States so that he can help provide income. Most of these are Christians. And some of these are women who didn't, are now providing for their families because their husbands are alcoholics and they wouldn't provide for them. It's amazing. Amazing what God is doing. I want to tell you a story about Buddy. He's a friend in Virginia. And it's this idea of multiplication and faith being put to work. Buddy, every year, he gathers his family and they talk about faith promise. And they say, okay, what are we going to do for faith promise this year? And I mean, Buddy's got big faith. Well, a few years ago, his company had a contract to replace a conveyor belt at a factory. The conveyor belt was a mile long. I mean, it's a real conveyor belt. And so he was praying with his children and his grandchildren, and they were wrestling with, what should we do for faith promise? They had the crazy idea of taking this conveyor belt that they replaced. They chopped this thing up made it into mats that you put down in horse stalls and made thousands. They were selling these things to folks in their area in Virginia that needed these mats for horse stalls. And apparently they're very expensive and they could sell them for a couple hundred dollars. And they made thousands of dollars. So as I mentioned earlier, Buddy's not going out trying to find something, you know, new to do. Buddy's just going along. Okay, he's got a mile-long conveyor belt that is basically garbage. Let me think creatively. Let me pray over this and see what God might have me do with this mile-long rubber conveyor belt. And they make thousands from it and gave all of it to their church for missions. I'll tell you what Buddy did boosted it boosted his faith what he has modeled for his grandchildren is amazing 
and his little six-year-old granddaughter now plants a garden and she uses all the proceeds. She does a little, she'll do a little vegetable stand with her little tight wagon. And she, she makes a pledge like $300 to, you know, faith promise. <laughs> Stuff she sells out on the front sidewalk of their house from her little red wagon uh, for faith promise. It has transformed the way they view doing faith promise. His little granddaughter, by planting a garden, is mounting up on wings as eagles. She is running and not growing weary because she is so inspired about being involved in kingdom work. It is invigorating to send forth the light as messengers of Christ. And that's what he's calling you to. That is what you are doing. And I hope you're invigorated by what, is, what you've heard and, and what you are involved in. But I would ask you, are there ways that God would have you, like Eric Little, to run and feel his pleasure and not grow weary? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are to you for your grace that is unspeakable, unimaginable, Lord, that you have forgiven us, that you have made us your own, that you have now given us amazing purpose in life. For those of us who are wrestling with that purpose, give us wisdom, give us clarity, give us focus, Lord, so that we might serve you with great joy, that we might truly run without growing weary. We ask this together in your name. Amen.